Hello, you are listening to Mishmash. This is Mish Hancock, where I get to talk to the weird, wacky, and wonderful people of this world, people I adore and want to learn more about. Today, my guest is Travis Sheridan. He is an entrepreneur, consultant, professional speaker, writer, and actor-comedian. He's passionate about entrepreneurship as a driver for economic development and using data to make informed business decisions. He is currently the executive director of Venture Cafe Foundation in St. Louis, which sounds like your dream job, sir. So uh, that is way awesome. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Tell me about this. I mean, you you said that you've been like preparing for this my entire life. And when I prior to this role at Venture Cafe, I was a, a you know a vice assistant vice president, some fancy title at an economic development agency. And when I told my mom, called my mom, I took, told her I'm getting this new job as the executive director of a thing that has cafe in the title. She thought I was <laughs> making yet another like really bad decision. She said, "Travis, I know you're taking care of your own student loans, but like how can you do that working in a cafe?" But uh, it is absolutely the dream job. And I, when I talk to a lot of young people, I tell them that jobs that that you really love don't exist anywhere in the ethos. Like you have right. to create them. You have to be open to those opportunities. And when Venture Cafe was coming to town uh, from the Cambridge, um, Massachusetts area, I was sold on the mission. It's a place where innovation is beyond just high tech and biotech, where we get to innovate in the, talk about innovation in the nonprofit sector, education, the arts, um, government. And we get all these people together to talk about innovation, uh, especially as it relates to social injustice and social uh, e- equality issues. And the other piece is really making sure that we, uh, are more inclusive when it comes to innovation, that we have more women and people of color participating because right. historically it's been a, a, a pale male club. Mm, yeah. It's been mostly uh, older white men that have been involved in innovation. And and so our flagship program is this wonderful weekly gathering. We don't call it a networking event. We don't call it a happy hour. However, beer and wine is uh, <laughs> is served for free. That's a uh, part of it. <laughs> that is a part of it. It helps lubricate the the conversation. But we really do call it a community gathering, and now we're averaging 525 people a week that wow. come out to it every single Thursday. It's been it's been incredible. That's awesome. The, and I've been to a few. Mm-hmm. I wish I could be more, but unfortunately, my night times are like completely taken over by my daughter. <laughs> but uh, but I the thing I love about Venture Cafe, and just not only my experience of it, but people, other people that I talk to, their experience of it is that you really are meeting up with people that are interested and curious and want great things to happen. Yeah, I think the curious mind is the is the coolest part of it. I mean, we live in worlds where curiosity is sometimes stifled. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ask, you know, at, at age two, we, we tell kids to stop asking the question, why? Right? And, and, we, and we shut them down. And it takes a lot to rebuild all that damage of, of the years and years of just saying, because I said so, as being the excuse. Right, right. Uh, and now we, we work in businesses, some of us, uh, some people work in businesses where it's that same sort of environment, right? The, whoever is at the top just says, follow because I said so. Right. And it, it limits our ability to grow. And so Venture Cafe is that place where you can ask why. And nobody will say, because I said so. Right, exactly. And entrepreneurship, because I'm an entrepreneur myself, mm-hmm. and I find it a very interesting journey. You learn a lot, not only about you know what you can do in business, but also about your own personal self. I mean, it's kind of like, you want to take yourself on? Start a business and watch what happens. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and so um, you you really champion entrepreneurship, and I'd love you to talk about that. Like, what well, what is it? Well, it's, so it's interesting. I uh, in, in undergraduate and grad school, in undergraduate, I was studying psychology, and I thought I wanted to be a therapist. And then I realized I don't want to sit around and listen to people's problems all day. Like, it's just not going to be fun. And then I started working with entrepreneurs, 
and uh, coaching them. And guess what I get to do? Yeah. Sit around listening to their problems all day. But it, but what I one thing I appreciate about entrepreneurs is they are ultimate risk takers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they will put their the, the whatever money they've saved for their college their kids' college education. They'll just put that at risk. They'll take out second and third mortgages on their homes and put it at risk because they have an idea, a passion that they feel can make a difference in the world. Maybe just for themselves personally or create wealth for their family. But more importantly, most entrepreneurs I interact with are taking a risk because they want to change the world. And that's a very exciting thing. Uh, But they do go through this very strange journey of, I have an idea to, oh my gosh, I can make money on this idea to, oh, if I have to, if I make too much money, I have to hire people. And you move from being uh, kind of an innovator to an entrepreneur to an executive. And really that next level, the executive level is what keeps a lot of entrepreneurs from scaling because it is different when you have to manage an accounting department and an HR department and all these other issues. Exactly. And so I actually encourage one of my first questions when I talk to any entrepreneur is just ask them about their aspirations. You know, how big or how small do you want this to be? And then build accordingly. Because if you want it to be really big, you got to be ready for some challenges. If you want it to stay small, you also have challenges. Maybe you won't make as much money, but right. it can still, you don't have, it's It's not always about making money for entrepreneurs. Right. Well, and, there, and for, for me, a lot of it is just the comfort of you know, I get to do what I want to do. And, and I went through this. I went mm. that, where I had to question myself and say, you know, how big do I want this to be? Because people will come up to you and say, oh my gosh, I so see you in a building and you'll have X amount of employees. And the first time someone said that, I just kind of stopped and I was like, that doesn't sound like what I want to <laughs> do. And and so I really sat back and thought about it. I thought, no, I really don't. Um, all the people that work for me, we work out of our houses. We love that. We have no, I have no need for an office building. Mm-hmm. I don't want to insure it, clean it maintain it. I don't want to do it. I, I have enough problem with my own house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, I think that it is a question you need to ask yourself mm-hmm. because some people would base that success on, oh, I have hundreds of people working for me. Well, but not if you hate it. Yeah. Not if it doesn't speak to you as a person and what you want to do with your life. And and a lot of entrepreneurs they they get into it because they want a little a lot more freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, when you're running your own business, there's very little freedom. I mean, you are there's beholden none. to your customers. You're beholden to the banks if you've taken out loans. You're beholden to your spouse and family uh, because they're asking if you're crazy, right? <laughs> and what are you doing? Go out and get a job. Uh, but there is something about how an entrepreneur is wired that they take this passion and match it with drive to to ultimately achieve success. And um, the the ones that I truly admire are the ones that know what their own limitations are right? and p- surround themselves with people who can help uh, offset some of those limitations. Well, c- because you can't be everything. You're in, in a sense, when you begin, you're supposed to be everything, but it's manageable. Like I yeah. can kind of do this accounting because it's just a few people that right. I'm dealing with, you know, but as you grow it, you definitely have to find those other individuals where their skill set makes sense, you know, yeah. and, and it is, it's, it, it, I, I, I think that that is a failure with a lot of entrepreneurs is they do pretend to know everything. Yeah. You know, I mean, I get I get people all the time like, can you build me a website? I'm like, no, I do social media. <laughs> Every now and then I'll figure, I'll think about taking a coding class and I think, no, I don't want to learn. I don't want to learn how to do that. I can't. I, it's easier for me to hire somebody else to do That's, it. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would hurt my head. I think would, coding yeah. would not be good for me. I, I actually read an extremely thick book many, many years ago on how to write HTML. Mm-hmm. 
enough so that I would I understood it, but I knew after that I was like I don't want to yeah create an entire you know when that when raw coding was a thing. Right. <laughs> when I I usually tell people that the most dangerous six letter combination, and I may offend people when I say this, is PhD CEO, and it's generally because when you get to that highest level of education in academia, your final exam was answering one question. It was like a three hundred word, a 300 page answer, <laughs> but it's one essential question. And, and sometimes at that high level of intellect, you, you feel like you can answer any question, even if you don't know how to answer every question. Exactly. And so sometimes that, that combination of PhD CEO is limiting to the ability to uh, be open to other ideas. Interesting. Well, listen, we are going to take a quick break. We will be back with Travis Sheridan in just a moment. Get raw with chaos on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. at studiocradio.com. And we're back with Travis Sheridan. So I'm going to make you tell me the story. Okay. Um, Dan Duffy was here. He did not say the story on air. He we we shared it in between time. <laughs> but I was. I was so taken with it because I'm very intrigued by people that I consider aware. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe that this story has to do with awareness and it has to do with a change the world. And I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I'll okay. let you take it from there. Okay. Uh, yeah. And in fact, I remember when I told Dan this story, like, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to use this for all the time. So <laughs> he does. Like, he's like, I give keynotes and I end with your story. I thought, huh, that's good. Awesome I guess. for you. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, and he cites me. So that's always nice. Uh, so what happened was probably over a decade ago, it might be 15 years at this point, I used to keep a little post-it note on my bathroom mirror that just said, change the world. It's one of those, you know, affirmations, positive affirmations, a good goal. And I would brush my teeth, look at the note, go out and take on the day. And that was very encouraging until I came home, looked at the note again, brushing my teeth again, because my mom taught me to do that, <laughs> and looked at that note and realized I didn't change the world and thought, okay, well, I'll get up tomorrow and do it again. And I did this over and over and over. And that sticker, instead of being a motivator, became a reminder of failure over and over again, because I just oh. was not changing the world. And, I, and who am I to think I could, right? And then one day... I had a conversation with some a young couple that was looking at taking out a loan at, uh, for their home. Uh, they had some trials and tribulations in their in their credit and in their life, and but we out, we ended up making it work. And they were ecstatic, and they came in and thanked me. And I went home and looked at that note, and I still thought, you know what, I didn't change the world. But then I looked at how that word how it was phrased, change the world, and I just added the letters I R on the end of the to change it to there, and realizing that if we don't try to change the world on a daily basis, but we we interact with some share of the 7.4 billion worlds that exist on this planet, right. right? these individuals. And that's what the IR ended up standing for. It stood for individual relationships. Oh my gosh. And if we focus more and more on the individual relationships, we have the opportunity every single day to change their world, whoever the there is that we interact with. And, and that has, and, and I just, I've used that for most of my career now, when I when I manage a staff, when I when I network, when I go out and speak, um, when I come up with a new idea, I always think about who is the person, who's the there in that scenario, whose world could be changed by this. Um, and I I challenge a lot of people to think about the theirs that are around them all the time. I love it, and it it to me it it's it's the little tweaks that can bring the greatest changes, and it and it's being aware of it. 
And I love that is I, I tell you when Dan told me that story, <laughs> I was I was like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing story. It says so much. And and I think when people they can get so overwhelmed when they feel like it, you know, I am here on a mission and my mission is yes. to change right. the world, you know. And then they try to change the world and they're like, wow, this isn't really happening. But then to realize that here's the deal. It's you know, you gotta start somewhere. Right. So you start with the people that are right there in front of you yeah. that all need something changed, right. that you and, might be able to help them. And the idea of an individual relationship, it doesn't have to be somebody that you're intimately involved with or a coworker. It's We have individual relationships with clerks at a checkout stand. We have individual, every moment by moment. And a lot of it does have to be about awareness. And I like to think of this now as we're in this world of microaggressions and how there are so many people that just say offhanded remarks that are offensive to people. Right. Uh, calling uh, a female over the age of 18, referring to them as a, a group of girls. Like that is, that's potentially, a, that is offensive. Right. And what can we do to be more aware of every relationship that they're interacting with? And guess what? It's not a burden. Like people think, people have asked me, well, don't, you're so hyper aware. Does that become exhausting? I said, no. What it does is it allows me to focus on each person I'm interacting with, and that's a lot of fun. I right. like to be present. Well, and people are so interesting. I mean, that's Absolutely. the thing. People, yeah. it's like, they are people that I could, I've known for years, and then I learn of some story in their life that I did not know before, That and that story you know, really colored a lot of what happened afterwards, and you're mm -hmm. like, wow, I had no idea. And I love hearing people that, you know, I mean, again, we'll, we'll talk about Dan again. You yeah. know, Dan, he experienced some kind of a trauma, mm -hmm. and instead of letting it just knock you down, thinking, okay, I got it. I'm hearing the message. Got to do something here. Yeah. Let me go. I, I uh, was talking to a young lady about three weeks ago, and just told her that I feel like life is a series of decisions. All we do throughout life is decide to go left, right, straight, or backward. Mm -hmm. That's all we do. Uh, and and, it, and we can look back. I look back on how I ended up in St. Louis and, and look at the decisions that led me up to this point. I look at how we're doing this podcast today and look at all, I love to re-examine -ex all the decisions. And, and so we have to be aware of the decisions. But we when we make the wrong decision, when we turn left instead of right, it doesn't take us off the path. I mean, just like using GPS to get over to this location. Right. You can make a wrong turn and it will recalibrate. So I think a lot of it has to do with being aware of your surroundings, know how to recalibrate, especially if you're trying to change individual worlds. Uh, sometimes you'll make a good decision, sometimes you won't, but we have the opportunity to recalibrate. Well, and sometimes what always freaks me out is when the quote wrong decision is actually the right decision. Yeah. You know, when it's it's almost like, are you learned something from that? You went, wow, I had no idea. Here I thought everything was going wrong and I ended up here, mm -hmm. you know? So, ah, yes, the I, universe. I always, to, to me, uh, and a professor in college said this, he said, the only wrong decision is indecision. Exactly. He said, he said, don't worry about making a right decision or a wrong decision. Make a decision and then make it right. Right. right? Indecision is the worst place to sit. In. Well, yeah, because it's just, you're, it's apathy. You're just sitting yeah. around not doing anything. Yeah. And nothing's going to happen if you're, you know, doing indecision. You're right. right? Yeah. And there's some people that get very caught in that. Mm -hmm. Like they they get paralyzed mm -hmm. and they need somebody to, so there you go, change their world. They need somebody to push them a little bit and go, yeah. look, you need to, let's do this. Yeah. You know, let's see what happens, you know? Yeah. I mean, most of the time, no one's going to get hurt. Let's just see what, what happens. Right. I, I kind of look at it as an, on scales of regret. Will I make a decision and regret that it didn't turn out right? Or will I have a greater regret of not making the decision in the first place? Will I regret going to, you know, calling my mom, even though she might, you know, get on my case for not calling her soon enough? Or will I have a greater regret of, ne of never calling her? Right. right. Like we, we want life... Um, 
it's a it's a balancing act, and it's not that big of a deal to just start making decisions. Exactly. Yeah. So if if you were if you had a person in front of you right now mm-hmm. that uh, was considering entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. what what advice would you give them? So uh, first, again, I would ask about their aspirations. You know, not, regardless of what the idea is, but what are your aspirations? Why do you want to be an entrepreneur? And then we'd start talking. I'd talk about the aspirations. What pieces have you thought about putting together in order for this idea to really be fully baked? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last piece is how are you going to fund it? You know, right. um, and I generally I generally try to guide people to what I call customer number one. You know, who's going to be that first person to buy it? Yep. And then learn all you can about that person and find a homogenous group of those same people. Right. So if your person is a uh, middle aged uh, African American stay at home mom, then sell to that one person and then find out who else is like that. So it's just that again incremental approach to things. Right. And if they find that one person, that person is connected to other people like them. Absolutely. You know, which is yeah. which yeah. can help you grow. Right. You know, as long as you're as you're doing your due diligence. Yes. <laughs> Start small. Exactly. And I, and I and I love that um, because I think a lot of people they hear about the success stories and they they want to go out and raise a million dollars where it's mm-hmm. like you know what how about we start with a customer first yes go grow go through customer revenue. Yeah. yeah go customer first and then when you get to a certain point you really you, you mm-hmm. you've been through it you understand what's going on then let's talk about maybe funding it a bit yeah i always like to think of uh Use capital to fulfill demand, not create demand. There you go. Right? So I love it. Sometimes you have to raise, some people raise money just to sell the idea to people so they think it's a good idea. That's very expensive. Capital right. to create demand is very expensive. Capital to fulfill demand, going to an investor and saying, oh my gosh, I have $500,000 in orders that I cannot fulfill. Ooh. I need to go raise some money. It's cheaper, right? Yeah. It's cheaper money that way. Then people are like, oh, this is working. They've yes. already worked out a lot yeah. of the kinks. This is great. Let me fund this. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Travis. We will be back after this break. Hi, this is Sam for 100th Monkey Media. 100th Monkey Media specializes in affordable social media solutions for the small to medium-sized business. Their goal is to make it easy and to create an awesome social media presence for you. Learn more at 100thmm.com or call 636-789-1776. And we're back with Mishmash talking with Travis Sheridan. Now I get to ask you some wacky questions. Great. I'll give you wacky answers. All right. Awesome. So you are known for your colorful footwear. Yes. Today we have blue on. Mm -hmm. Loving it. Is there a color of footwear you do not own that you're on the lookout for? Because we could be on the lookout for. So uh, Adidas created 50 different colors of these shoes. I have the Roy G. Biv Spectrum, so I have uh, seven of those, which is great. So I have almost I, any color I want, I have. Uh, but, you know, there's the the blended colors, the incremental colors in between the Roy G. Biv letters. Uh, and then I've recently added uh, teal and a magenta because we're changing out our branding at Venture Cafe. In fact, th- uh, we're changing it out, and it's going to be magenta. And so I had to buy a new pair of shoes oh, to coordinate well, with the branding. Yeah. Uh, but I would say if there's a color that I don't have, I would love something that is a... Like a, a a deep sea blue. Like I have a, a light teal, uh, right. almost like I call it thin mint type teal. <laughs> uh, but I would love to have like a deep sea ocean teal. All right, deep sea ocean teal. I'm on yeah. the lookout. Okay, great. I will let you know. Okay, I'm a huge sneaker fan, so I will. I'll, I'll let you know if I come across those. Very cool. <laughs> um, all right, my next question for you: mm-hmm. If we were to commemorate a a tech guru on mm-hmm. a stamp, who do you think it should be? Right now, I would say it's Elon Musk. I mean, I love it. What he's doing, uh, and he's doing everything so well. Um, yeah, I, I'm just thoroughly impressed by him. I mean, he uh, there's still a lot to be proven out, right? I mean, he's uh, I mean, PayPal works, so that's good. He did a good job with that. <laughs> uh, but 
Tesla, uh, the the way that he's sold, what, $17 billion worth of cars uh, before there's even a car available uh, for the new Model 3, uh, what he's doing with, through SpaceX, uh, I just think that he he is going to go down in history. He will be on a stamp someday, so I want to go ahead and predict it now. So <laughs> I, I can be right. It. We can look at this archive in 50 years and say, oh yeah, Travis totally knew about that. Well, and you so feel that he is a person of high integrity, yeah. which I love when someone has you know made it to that status, mm-hmm. but you're also like, and they're not a jack. Yes. Right, yeah. I would like to have a beer with him. Like, he seems cool. You yeah. know, like, yeah, let's yeah. hang, you know. Yeah. Oh, that is the perfect answer. Um, okay, so you have come across a lot of different types of technology over the years. Mm-hmm. What would you consider, I mean, have you ever heard anything so wacky or maybe they had a wacky name or just something you thought, that is just plain wackiness? So I, uh, this is, it's it never made it to market and it's not as much a technology as it is a, uh, trying to take a technology and enter it into a, an unknown market. Uh, my childhood pastor came to me when I was running a business incubator out in California, and I didn't realize he was an interest, had an interest in being an entrepreneur, but he wanted to bring uh, bidets to the California marketplace. Oh, wow. Now, there's not a lot of, te- I mean, there's, there is a lot of tech <laughs> advancement there, and uh, all I could do, and I just said, his name was Felix, I said, Felix, Give me five minutes to be a 13-year-old and think of a bunch of jokes real quick, okay? And I was doing stand-up comedy at the time. Uh, But the name of his business was, he wanted to call it Bidet Mate. And and his tagline was, for a clean feeling down under, say Bidet Mate. (laughs) And it was just perfect. And I I thought, well, you've gone from cleansing the soul to cleansing the whole. And... It brings a whole new meaning to the word holy water, and and I just I just could not stop. Oh my gosh! Uh, he, there's so much. There, there was so much material, <laughs> uh, but that's one of the things I love about working with entrepreneurs. And and I usually will ask permission, like, hold on, I need time out. <laughs> I'm just going to laugh. There was a there was a woman uh, who wanted to create undergarments, underwear that had a charcoal lining, so that if you passed gas, it wouldn't stink. Oh, uh, and that she called them fart pads, which was not a very clever <laughs> name. But she brought a, a she brought in a stuffed skunk and a dried flower uh, that was silk flower was glued to its butt and said this will be my mascot and it, and oh my as gosh. ridiculous as it was it's that sort of passion and just crazy thinking that just makes me really love the work that I do oh my gosh that is hilarious <laughs> I mean and you think about a bidet I mean you you would have to redo your bathroom yeah to get I mean this is not a small ask no you know I, literally the first time I saw when I lived in Europe for a while and the first time I saw <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I mean, yeah. I I grew up in North County, St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I was not, not a lot of bidets out there, right? Not a lot <laughs> of bidets, and I didn't. I just did was not. I didn't see a lot, you know, yeah. in North County. And we, my my parents, we were not well traveled people. Mm-hmm. And so I I was going to St. Louis University, and at some point, I just surprised the heck out of my parents. Went, I'm going to go to school in Madrid. They're like, what? Where did this girl come from? But and so the first time I saw one was in Spain. And I mean, I was looking at that thing. I'm like why do they have this little tiny toilet? I don't get it. Who is this for? It's not a drinking fountain. I absolutely (laughs) did not get it. And luckily my roommate, Mm -hmm. she was a bit, she was a bit more worldly than Mm -hmm. me and she explained what it was. But, that's hilarious. Bidet, yeah. mate. I love it. Well, what was interesting is he was wanting to bring them to market, not for the affluent or people that wanted luxury, but he uh, he had dealt with a family member who suffered from obesity and diabetes, and he wanted to use the bidets for people that just had mobility issues. Right. And so a lot of the conversation we have, and I know you do a lot in branding and marketing and messaging, I said the conversation that he and I had was, you have this very jovial name for a serious issue. Right. So it just, there was a, a brand disconnect at, at that situation. Yeah. Uh, you know, as much as it's 
was fun and it made a very funny flyer uh, and logo, uh, the audience that he was wanting to go after, was it would not resonate it with It would him. not, yeah. no. I mean, that bidet mate sounds like something you would see on one of those infomercial type things. Oh, You're yes. like, bidet mate, yes. you know, now for only this, you know, yeah. and if you act now. Yeah. <laughs> um, bidet mate. Okay, I got to get that out of my <laughs> head now because it's going to be in my head all day long. Is there... It, when Venture Cafe, what, I mean, I understand the mission of mm-hmm. it. Did, where did the does venture? How is how is that embody Venture Cafe? So a lot of it. So the cafe piece is the kind of the European idea of a cafe, like a cafe or a salon where smart people come together to just interact. And then the venture side is, you know people that are looking to start new ventures. Uh, okay. Maybe things that could scale up, maybe things that do require venture capital, but really anything, regardless of scale, is a venture. It's, sometimes it's an adventure, right? right. It, it, they're, they're, a person is going out on a journey to take an idea forward. And so that is what Venture Cafe is. It's a collection of people who want to take ideas forward. And I know that when people come to Venture Cafe, it on they go and they, they can... They basically check themselves in yeah, we have via a, kiosk a computer, system. right? Yeah, a kiosk and it system. says how many times they've been there. Yeah. So is there uh, is there kind of a status with people who are like, I've been here There absolutely times, is or, a status. It's very course. interesting. People, uh, first of all, some people will just, they say, I don't have a lot of time. I'm just going to stop in and check in because they want their number to go up, which is kind oh, of a very funny thing. I love it. A very funny thing. But what I think the status piece that's interesting is a person that is more, uh, what do we call a veteran, like a, a frequent flyer at this venture cafe. They will actually seek out the people that have a lower number, a one or a two, and just introduce and like walk them through and introduce uh, them to the rest of the group. So it, it, it it's it's great for the people that have high numbers. They feel like they are a resource. But for the people that have s- smaller numbers, uh, they they can get connected to you know people that have been there a lot longer. So it really expands the capacity of the overall team and allows the community, and that's why we talk a lot about community, it allows the community to nurture each other. Oh my gosh. So that just really is all about the inclusivity. If you yes. see somebody, I saw something recently about the buddy bench. And it was it was a school, and if you didn't have anybody to play with, mm-hmm. you could go sit on the buddy bench. And oh. the and the kids knew if somebody was sitting on the buddy bench, you had you know go over and invite them to come play with you. Oh, cool! You know that whole concept yeah. of don't let somebody just sit there by themselves yeah. and not have anyone to interact with. Yeah. And I love the idea. I love the idea of instilling it in the young ones. Sure. You know, then when they come to Venture Cafe, they're ready to go. They're right? all set. Yeah. Well, Travis, this has been wonderful. I am so glad to get to know you better. Thank you so much for being here today. And I'm sure we will cross paths again soon. Let's make it happen sooner rather than later. Yes, Yes. absolutely. Thank you, sir. This is Mishmash. Thank you for listening today. 